Hello and welcome to or welcome back to a runner's life podcast. I'm the host Marcus Brown. I've gone from a 455 marathon down to running a sub three hour marathon. The idea of this podcast is to explore what a runner's life is by speaking to runners and experts to learn from their experiences and to expand on our own boundaries of what a runner's life could represent. If you want to get updates on the podcast or want to see what I'm up to, follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon Marcus, all one word. If you find value in the show, please subscribe and share it with your community and leave a rating on your podcast platform that you use as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Before we jump into this conversation, I want to shout out Noble Pro who are supporting this episode. They are a forward-thinking company that provide treadmills which elevate the running experience of the runner. Connectivity to the global running and fitness community are essential features of the treadmills and the company's ethos. There are a number of Noble Pro treadmill models to suit your budget and cater for the elite runner through to the new beginner. To get 5% off your Noble Pro treadmill, use the code RUNNINGLIFE, all one word, and head over to www.noble-pro.com. Hi, John. Welcome to a Runner's Life podcast. How are you going on, mate? Yeah, not bad, thank you. How are you, Marcus? Yeah, it's good to catch up with you, mate. We ran at the Dorney Lake Marathon last year, and it was good to sort of catch up about experiences, which I hope to sort of share in this conversation. Yeah, the, it was a quite an eventful day back then, and the build-up for me and probably for you as well was <laughs> difficult, to say the least, given what's been going on and since then as well, but looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, there's some other things I want to get into as well. Uh, you know, you've done so many cool things and you know, your progression has been incredible. So it'd be good to sort of see how you sort of come up and where you're going to go as well. So this podcast is called A Runner's Life. What does a runner's life mean to you? Um, my runner's life has adapted and changed a lot over the years, depending on what's been going on. So I think it's always been about the balance between academia I'm currently a nutrition student or work life social aspects when I can do it but then it always comes down to just keeping me grounded a lot of people especially this year where their mental health's coming come to the forefront for things I think things like running especially where it's so um, easy to get into has become a massive factor in so many people's lives and it's proved to be that for me as well so I'd say just keeping me grounded yeah yeah, like you say, with lockdown and just the way things are, it's a good way to get out, you know, go through your thoughts and just be, just be with yourself type thing and, you know, mm. just be in nature. Yeah, you'll be amazed how many profound thoughts you'll have during your run, but then you'll also realise how many you forget when you finish the run as well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good thinking space. It's good to have that space during the day. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given so far for your running journey? I would probably say it's not necessarily been direct advice, but consistency. And it's something that I overlooked for a long time. And then when I finally realised you need to slow things down sometimes, it's not always about going as fast as you can. 
that's when I really started to see actual progression and not just small spikes that would then go away when I picked up a little niggle or a big injury. So yeah, consistency. And do you swam at a high level so before getting into running? And is mm. that something you picked up as well from your time swimming? Um, that was probably something that was just ingrained into my mind because when I was a competitive level, I swam nationally, not for the nation, but in terms of national competitions throughout my teenage years. And it was something that was present the whole time because you would train Monday to Sunday, some days, two days a week. So it probably without realising it, yeah, it played a big part of my achievements back then and it does to this day. And I know you've sort of done, you know, swimming, running. Do you think you'd ever get into triathlon? <laughs> it's funny you say that because one of my marathons, which we both share, Manchester, I'm not sure if you remember, they gave you the option to put down a little message that if the announcer can, when you cross the line, they'll announce it. And mine was something along the lines of, he's conquered the sea, he's conquered the land by feet. Will it be the bike next to hint at a triathlon? So I would love to. And the Ironman is something that fascinates me, but scares me to my core as well it sounds like something you should do then i guess like <laughs> that's, that's the thing with these the challenges they scare you then you end up doing them the problem with an ironman though is like you'll probably realize when people go oh running's really cheap it's not, it's not. <laughs> you get into it and then you go oh, i like that shoes i need these shoes for these days and i've noticed bikes as people that i speak to who compete in duathlons or triathlons uh it's, a, it's another level there's so much money in that and being a student at the moment I'd have to wait a few years until I could start to realistically afford that because other things can't be sacrificed for that, which is exactly what happens at the moment with running. Yeah, definitely. And just going back, and you said you're studying, you're working towards being a nutritionist? Yes, right? yeah, um, nutrition degree. I mean, how does that sort of factor into your, your training and what sort of lessons have you taken from application into you know, your actual running? Well, in terms of how I work the two together it's always the degree will always come first for example if I've got some days I might if I've got an exam go out for a short easy run in the morning to loosen me up to sort of relieve any anxiety because it is something I struggle with at times but the uni will always come first and if I can fit the run in whether that be commuting to uni or between lectures if I have time that will always be the priority and in terms of aspects that I've been able to apply there's been a big myth towards running where carbohydrates are crucial and critical but then since undergoing the degree I've realized and I think a lot of people do who not just study for a degree but just look into their sport a lot um, different intensities will require different levels of nutrition so if you're not um, pushing your intensity to sort of the anaerobic state where you're going past your um, lactate um, turn point and lactate threshold a lot of people know it as then carbohydrates don't really play much of a role in it so when you're under that your fats will be the predominant store for that yes the carbohydrates like your gels they'll be the main factor in that because they give you that instant burst but overall i've actually learned to incorporate far more fats into my diet and it did have a bit of a period of adaptation but it has proved to work for me but it doesn't work for everyone. It's not something I can yet recommend because I'm not qualified. But that's something that does work for me. Yeah, like you said, I think you've just got to find what works for you. But 
and also the important thing as well with the the carb side is understanding when to use it for and what sessions because you don't need to be you know going too crazy with the carbs every session i think there's a time and place for them it's like you know the the night before a marathon you know just keep it simple just eat what you normally eat you don't mm. need to go crazy and just eat like bowls of pasta i think you also have to take into account how used to a form of carbohydrates you are and also just the type of carbohydrates you're consuming as well because if you see it i mean a lot of people who are i wouldn't say experienced but have been running for a long time they will know that they can't rely on processed carbohydrates because it's not an adequate store for energy and it's not very good for your body anyway but so if you take into account something that you're used to and you stick to that that's real um, key part to it so if you try and think oh this is just a form of carbohydrate it will do your body's not used to that especially on a race day they say don't try out new shoes gels especially don't try out new foods because if you do and i'm sure everyone has had bad experiences where they've had to learn the hard way but it doesn't work that way and you have to just stick to what you know yeah i agree and there's so many things that you said just not just then but even previously and i just want to go back to something you mentioned you talked about anxiety can you talk about how running helps or I don't know if that's the right word, but what's the relationship between running and anxiety and how does it each sort of complement or not complement each other? Um, I think the best way to really explain that would be to go back to a few years ago when I wasn't really an experienced runner at this point, but it was something that was a big part of my life and I went through quite a dark period where I did have a mental breakdown and the one thing throughout that period that really helped me was just having that consistency of running so I ended up having to leave my job. I had to sell my car because without the job, how can I wasn't able to keep that up. But then the running remained something that was a, a constant in my life. And every day it helped me get out the door, keep going. And then you build back up. And even now, I think it's probably true for a lot of people, it just helps you to stay grounded. It helps you to, if you have any bad thoughts or have any moments where you feel overwhelmed by anything that's around you, just helps you release that you can i mean some people might say it's um sort of releasing the anger or aggression but i don't necessarily see it like that but it does help to release some pent-up feelings yeah i mean it's great that you're talking about that and i don't know if it's the same for you and i could be putting words in your mouth but the thing with running is it actually makes you face reality one it brings you closer to doing things in your own you know, capabilities in your own steam it brings you closer to things that you can control. You know, you go through a difficult moment and it's tough, but you know that the moment will, will end. Mm. And it's all these little things that you don't realise that you can just take into life. I mean, I'm not quite sure if it's the same for you. I agree, yeah. And knowing, it comes with experience as well, but it's just understanding that things aren't permanent, they're temporary. It's sort of, if you get into an argument, um, you can look at it and say, will this feel, still be important to me in an hour, a week, a month, a year? If it's a no, then you just need to let it go. The same thing can be applied to running. When you're feeling a lot of pain or something, a difficult patch within your run, you've just got to sort of reassess the situation and just go, this is tem um, temporary, it's not permanent. If I just keep going, I'll push past it. And it always does. And then that experience helps you move forward. Yeah, totally. And I think it's so cool to talk about that. And thank you for sharing that because I think some people can just look at your profile and think, you know, John's a fast guy. 
you're just going for speed but it's good to actually see that there is you know something beyond that because i think sometimes people can look at road runners and think oh they're just going for times and that's all they're they're bothered about but actually running the relationship that you have with running is very important yeah and for me any sort of sort of pbs or if i have a fast session or if my just my overall pace is able to improve my lactate threshold goes up or down whatever it's almost like an, an added benefit so for me it is just all about keeping me balanced yeah i totally agree mate and i mean we could go so much further into that but i think it's great that you sort of shared that as well but i want to move to a recent race that we both took part in can't think what one you're talking about the dawny lake marathon <laughs> and you know i've spoken about it on my profile and sometimes people can probably think ah oh, you know he's just making it up or just making it seem worse than it was so i kind of really want to get your experiences of the race really in terms of like the weather and just the experiences and things like that but you ran a great time you ran a sub 240 you ran 239 and you know that's a london championship place can you talk about your experiences of that day yeah sure first and foremost thank you for that um the day itself was Oh, it was something else and it wasn't just Dorney, it was all over London, it was just an absolutely terrible storm and I'm sure for you as well the week leading up to, or two weeks even you just kept looking at the weather report going it's not getting <laughs> any better it's not getting any better, but it's just one of those things where you just have to deal with it I mean, I learned that luckily a few years ago in Oxford, the Oxford half it was absolutely terrible weather, it was the same weekend of the Ineos um, 159 because that really helped, it's something where you get an inspirational moment happen and you can watch that it just you can easily relate that to yourself and help it push you on but the weather that weekend was abysmal but then you can't control the weather you just have to look at things you can control and it was the same for Dorney the weather was terrible the rain was really bad it was I think gale force winds but they were very 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 strong and the course is completely exposed and like you know you're going up one side back down the other then up the other side and back down so you're constantly being either hit on the left, hit on the right. And you just had to try and push through that and just focus on yourself rather than the weather. Yeah, so right. And like checking the weather, I think so many runners do that. And I was the same. And I was checking the, the wind direction, the speed. And, you know, the first two laps, you know, we I think we had crosswinds. So it wasn't too bad. But then the final two laps, the wind direction changed and you just got battered and like massive stretches. I remember it was the finishing stretch. Well, what was the finishing stretch? So each time you ran along that, was it 2.5 kilometre yeah. stretch when you're running into the wind? And every time I ran down it thinking, I hope this goes for that final bit. So just when you wanted the wind to be on your side, it just went against you. No, and you could see like obviously how far you needed to go. It was just like literally just constant, constant pressure. Mm, that was something I didn't uh, really factor in, that you could constantly see everything around you. <laughs> And you sort of looked alongside and be like, oh, so in 30 minutes time, I'm going to be there. And then an hour's time, I'm going to be here again. And then, and so forth and so forth. And how did you like process that at the time? You know, you've got the wind coming in direction. You can see how far you've got to go. You know, there's a lot of external pressures happening, but you're trying to keep your pace. I mean, how did you manage that? I think it's the same way as most people do it when they're doing their normal training or just an everyday run. You've just got to stay present. You can't think too far ahead in the future because you don't know. You might be feeling wonderful. You could have hit the wall by that point. You might even, I think, unfortunately, picked up an injury, but you just got to stay present. And 
for me personally on that day I was very lucky that I was managed to find a pack and the motivation around me which I'd never experienced before really really helped to push me forward keep me going yeah I mean groups you know and other people are so important and I've got to shout you out as well and I appreciate you every time we we went past each other you were like keep going Marcus doing really well and I'm like how's he been to do this and still run at that pace but I I appreciated it man so I think we all we, each other's cheerleaders because we knew how how rough it was on that day yeah the solidarity between everyone was apparent I mean I don't know remember if you saw her there was this um, older lady she must have been in the late 70s she couldn't move very fast but she was she finished and I had just so much respect for that woman every time I ran past her but for you every time I ran past you you were just in that unfortunate position where there were people too far ahead of you and then too far behind you so you were stuck in no man's land and how you were able to keep going because you talk about my mindset your mindset on that day was godly and to get away with the sub three like not just scrapey under as well you really smashed it you have 256 or 255 but that was a huge chunk you took off yeah. on a day of difficult conditions no i appreciate it man i think it was just <laughs> it's a weird one because like we've gone through the experiences before of not achieving it so you get there and it's like not today and you just think i can i can just it's only a couple of hours just give it my best for a couple of hours and then afterwards i can you know think whatever do whatever but yeah, it's definitely difficult. And like you said, like a lot of it, I was running solo. Obviously, the times that we're in as well with COVID. So, you know, we weren't, you know, you kind of, you, you know, it's that sort of thing that, you know, there's not so many people and you're running it solo, but it's still difficult. You know, I challenge anyone to run a marathon by yourself. Mm, no matter what <laughs> the speed, it's yeah. difficult. Your mental game yeah, just has to be up there. But I mean, like seeing you, seeing all the other runners and just, you know, I think I I think I I knew that we were all in it together, so I didn't feel alone. If that makes sense, mm. I experienced that as well. That's something I actually I've never experienced in a race where you, ha- you had that much solidarity around you because everyone's always too fixated on themselves. But maybe it's because of the situation that's going on, or because of how fewer people there were on the day. You just felt that everyone wanted everyone else to do well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like you said in like a mass participation race, you don't really get that feeling because everyone's kind of going. And there's no real chatter, or there is chatter, but you're not really paying attention. But there, we knew that because you know there are no crowds, and we had to support each other. We need to be our own cheerleaders, as long with the you know the people that are there, you know, you know, supporting the race, all the stewards, and they were massive help as well. Oh, massive! And for the group I was with, I don't know how he did it. One of the guys was only wearing short shorts, like the, you know the three inch ones. Yes, yeah, I'm that guy. Nothing else, and. <laughs> he must have been freezing i couldn't know how he did it i was too i wanted to wear more clothes but then because of that all of the um supporters and the aid stations recognized him so they would always cheer for him yeah (laughs) and because i was in the group with him i felt as though they were just cheering us all on so that really helped so i have to thank him for that yeah i mean that guy was just like this crushing it it did i mean he had a smile on his face and everything so I mean, that start as well was so so crazy. I mean, we had that staggered start as well. And, you know, we were kind of going off in pens and it took me a while to get going because I was like, had clothes to throw away, bin bags to throw away because I didn't want to get there, you know, just, just ready. But you were like, in the other group, you guys were ready to go. So I should have taken a leaf out of your book. Well, I was, but then there was so much madness at the beginning because yeah. it was it was really well organised. I have to give it to the race organisers for that. But then at the same time, people just were 
too flustered about where to go. So yeah. one minute I was like, am I in the right pen? Am I not in the right pen? They've got a different colour to me. Should I be here? And then next thing you know, you're, you are in the right pen, you're going. So luckily there wasn't too much time to get into my own head. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, shout out to the organisers. They did a great job and, uh, you know, it was a great race. I think it was, even despite the weather, I think there were a lot of PBs that day. So, you know, it's a good race if you want to go and do a PB, even though we're talking about the weather. So, Well, I think at the moment, a lot of PBs are waiting to happen because people have been training a lot for a long time yeah. and they've been doing solo time trials by themselves, which it can be really frustrating when you do a time. You go, it's really good. It's amazing. I've never been able to do that before. And you go, but it's not official yet. Yeah. So when races do come back, oh, it's, it's probably going to be a really good feeling because everyone's going to be in a, um, elation about it. I think that's the thing as well. Like even though with the weather and stuff like that, I mean, it was that fact as well that there weren't many races, and and you know we felt it was it was like a special sense of, of occasion because the people there, you felt like everyone was ready to go. Like was no races. Like, this was the opportunity, you know, beyond the time trials and all you know, or any virtual sort of races as well. That this and was that probably spurred people on as well. Like I know it might have done for me subconsciously, and maybe for you as well. So just knowing this might not happen again for a while helped you maybe push that a little bit harder. Yeah. And it did really help that London, the virtual London happened on the same day. So a lot of people there were doing that as well. So Yeah. Same for me. And uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good day because also we both got a PR. So, but those PRs were earned though. I mean, they weren't, they were not given, especially in your case. No, not on that day. <laughs> Never, but definitely not on that day. So what was the best part of the race and what was the worst part of the race for you? Uh, the best part? Funny enough, the best part wasn't the finish. It was the approach to the finish. Because at that point, I knew, in the let's say the last kilometre, I knew I'd got a PB. I didn't know how much yet, because obviously you've still got to do that final stretch. But I knew I had that. And the fact that you can see it for the whole time throughout the race, being able to see every point was almost a hindrance. But then at that moment being able to lock onto it from that far away really helped because you can just see yourself every step getting closer and closer and closer and you can just leave it all out there. So that was probably my best moment. Um, the worst, and I reckon the worst is for me, it's the same for you, was that corner. Yeah. I, for the people that don't know, it, it, it's for the end of the first, I think the first step is the first stretch and then you take a left and then there's like a really sharp, at 180 turn but there was a puddle so you couldn't really think okay i'm going to do like an f1 <laughs> style like i'm going to cut the turn and then accelerate out of it you literally there's only one way in if you want to keep your shoes dry <laughs> and then yeah. go all the way out so you had to stop and it was a and it was almost like a mental game as well because you did want to approach it too slowly to stop and walk your way around because then it's in your head that you've stopped so you want to keep going and just do you know I mean keep keep it moving but then on the flip side, you didn't want to come into it too quickly because you knew your ankles were going to pay for it because it was just going to grind every time. That's the thing, though. That, that, that corner involved way too much thinking. And you just want to run, don't you? <laughs> yeah, the whole race you were probably able, because it was just these long stretches, you could really zone into your pace. But then at that moment, for the two minutes leading up to it and the two minutes after it, you're just building up, building up. And then afterwards, you're going, God, why did they put that corner there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... You've spoken a little bit about the, you know, approaching the finishing line because you, you know it's going to happen. And I guess it's the same for me. Like, you know you've done it. So you can kind of allow yourself to kind of all the feels to get in because you're literally so close to doing it. And 
the times in the bag type thing. But for me, it was almost like a really strange feeling. I mean, there's no crowds, you know, you cross the finishing line, even though you've PR'd, like, it's just like, it's just like silence, isn't it? It's just like, it's just, you're there. Yeah, it just sort of ended. Yeah. It was very strange, especially after previous months. Like my previous marathon to this was um, Florence, yeah. which was dramatic to say the least. But the finish, because you've got the Womo, Womo Duomo, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Um, but that area and then the fanfare they've got there and just the history behind the location made it so powerful. And then in comparison to Dorney, when there's just so few people there for the whole duration of the, the marathon, you're right, it just stopped. I mean, how did that make you feel, though? I mean, it was such a strange finish. You got to go to pick up your medal. How did you process it? Um, at first, it was the same similar feeling because you understood what you've just done. You need time to process what you've actually achieved, but that you might not realise you did. But for me, it just sort of deflated quite quickly. Um, So I haven't thought about this since the day, so it's trying to recapture it. Yeah, it's just deflated quite quickly, and you're going up to it. You know what you've just done. You're collecting a medal, collecting your bag. I wanted to, because I've in the build-up to it through my Instagram, I put up a weekly sort of update, not for anyone else. It was more for my benefit, so I had it on my phone, but I thought I might as well share it. it might help someone. And then, so I was able to do that. It's like a race debrief for myself. So that still kept it as though I've just done what I've just done in the marathon. But it was very different. It just ended. It was so strange, though. It's it's, it's almost a weird one, because you, you've done all that work. You've achieved it. And I, I don't want people to think we're getting our little violins out and being like, oh, boo-hoo type thing. Oh, it's so terrible to PR. But it's such a strange feeling. You've spent all those months training. You get into the race. The race is tough. You finish it. You get your PR. And it's just, it's such a strange thing. It's, it seems like it just things just switch off and you're back to normal. It's just a hard, it's not it's not a, a natural thing you move into. Do you know what I mean? It's just such a hard stop. Yeah, if you compare it to something like London where it's such a big event and when you finish, there's always countless numbers of people around you and you're all in the same boat. So you're all praising each other. Yeah. But then enjoying the praise you're getting back not because you, you're big-headed but because you know like you said you put the work in that i'm going to enjoy this moment because i've i've earned it today and then that day you had people like the race organizers that would say and the few other runners that were around going oh well done well done and you were saying it back but it didn't have that same feeling as other races would do yes yeah, just that celebration feeling of celebration wasn't quite there obviously for the right reasons but it's it just really took away that human contact that human you know you know that feeling of community mm. when you've got to go pick up your medal and it's just like i know it sounds first world problems you pick up your medal from the table and then you're basically checking your times and we can get onto that as well i mean there was a whole issue with times because i think there's an issue with you know the gun time and the chip times and all of our times were coming in and we we're just like, this is not my time. <laughs> yeah, I had an issue with mine. I think we all had it, mate. I was just looking at my time and like, you just thinking, I, my, my coach was following it as well. And he was like, what What the hell happened? <laughs> you have got to explain like, no, that's, I think that's the gun time. Then, I think it, then, it, then it eventually sorted itself out. But then that adds like another sort of pressure as well, because you've just finished it, you've done it. And you're just thinking, what you're freezing. And you're like, what the hell is happening with my time? Yeah, that actually did. 
that's one thing that did happen to me because after I finished, after we've gone through collecting everything, I had family there that came because I, I haven't got a car, so they came to pick me up. And then as I'm walking towards them, ecstatic about what I've just done, and sort of in my head going, I've just finally got a championship place. I didn't think it was possible. And then they've got this look of, oh, he's not going to be happy. I was like, what? what, what what's wrong? And then they, because so, they've been tracking it, and they've gone, oh, I'm really sorry about the time. You looked like you were going to be doing really well. I was like, I did. And I showed them all I had that time was my watch. But then when they showed me the app and I saw the time, I was like, this isn't right. And when I went back over to talk to them about it, they then explained to me the situation. They said, you might have to give it an hour or so, and it will sort itself out, which luckily it did, because it was quite a, a moment of panic. But that really did sort of take away that enjoyment from it because instant panic yeah absolutely then you get it and then it's kind of after the, the event itself and it's a strange one because you just like all these feels and i mean did you when did you sort of allow yourself to kind of celebrate that that pr and the result i think because of how strange the race was itself it didn't have the same sort of celebration feel as previous ones have, even races where I haven't had a PR. But then I've still celebrated the just completion of that distance. It didn't have that same sort of celebration feeling, and I think that's just because of what's going on around you. It was almost like, and especially with uni, because at that time I'd just started a new semester, so I had to get straight back into it, really. So I, I didn't really have the time to celebrate it, which I'm not complaining about because it helps you move forward. Yeah, like we said, you did a PR. It's a great time, and we could focus on the accolades. But when you look back, just for learning experiences, when you look back at race day, what would you have done differently if you could? Probably had a longer training block. In terms of the build up to it on the race day itself, I I wouldn't change anything because, as I said earlier, I'd never ran in with people around me in a pack. So I'd learned that day how important teamwork really is. Even with something so um, solitary like running, teamwork really helps. But the build-up, if I could have had a a more ideal build-up, that would have been better. When you say ideal build-up, what do you mean? Um, well, at the time, I was uh, in Sardinia uh, with my partner. So when I signed up to the race... Because I, I didn't know about it. I think I actually saw it on, I spoke to you about it a week before and you said, oh, there's a race I'm going to enter in this one. And I'd sort of gone back and forth about the idea of doing it. And then she pushed me forward to go, oh, you should just do it. You haven't got long, but just do it. So that was at the very end of August. So then when I got back, I had to do a little isolation because, well, everyone knows what's going on at the moment. And then when I was able to actually start training again, you have to regain tiny bit of fitness that you had before the isolation because I wasn't able to run and then start training with a block so I think I only had about six weeks yeah I can totally understand what you mean like you said mate with that race I think I remember telling you about it it came up and I think we were all trying to find what was available at the time and that presented itself but like you said I think it didn't really give us the time to like do a full marathon build up. So we were kind of working off what we'd earned in the summer and then having to kind mm. of then do a quick bolt on to, to do the race. So it wasn't like a full marathon build up. I don't know about you though, because we, everyone that I know had a race booked in for the spring and then obviously that was taken away. So when that happened to me, 
I didn't sort of go, oh, I'm just going to ease back. I just thought I built up to 140 kilometers a week. I'm just going to keep going. And I ended up reaching the heights of like, 180, 200 um, kilometer weeks and in miles that'd be 110 120 mile weeks and I was doing sort of three um, 30 kilometer plus runs within that week with only a day in between them days in between I was doing a session or the rare very very easy short day so I had a summer of just this really high mileage where I looking back I don't know how I was able to do it how my body didn't break at the time and then a little dip and then into the marathon training. So I think I would probably have to, like you said, building off the work you did in the summer. Yeah, I think it's just uh, incredible what he did. And just going back to it, because like, even though the races were called off for the right reasons at the beginning of the year, they were looking unlikely towards the end of the year. But like you said, you just kind of get over that disappointment and then you just work to just maintaining a base. And then you hope that if something happens, you can jump straight into it rather than, you know, starting from zero and I think but it sort of goes to show that all that fitness that you built up you know really did count Hmm. and I think it's with running like that where it's something you can just hope for something to come up and then just jump at it it's like life life throws um, spanners at you all the time and it's never going to be perfect so that's one lesson I think most people have been able to take from running and apply to their life and just learn to work with adversity yeah yeah, absolutely. And for anyone that is looking to go like sub 240, i.e. me and other people listening as well, what advice would you give us that really helps you achieve that goal? For me, it was even though I was running a really high mileage in the summer, I would always ensure I had the same workout either every week or every other week. And for me, it was kilometer repeats. I would do six to eight or it was saying, 15 or 20 400 at a comfortably hard pace but I would do that consistently week by week so then I can monitor my improvements and if I wasn't improving I would look at it and say why am I not improving and it just comes back to what I said before about consistency you just have to be consistent with that just keep turning up even on the days where you feel like you don't want to do it you can't like for us the weather was terrible on that day for Dorney but on the days where you're training, if it, if you look outside, oh, it's really raining, it's really windy, or oh, I'll just, I'll save it. If it's dangerous to go out, say, for example, where it's been quite icy recently, yes, don't go out. But you don't get to choose the weather on race day. So look to control what you can control. So just go out, deal with the situation you've been given and bank the training effect. Yeah. And I remember at the beginning of last year, I think the weather was pretty bad. We had quite a few storms anyways. I think races were called off anyway so we had those experiences to to build on as well i don't think i any had any races at this period so and if if the weather was going on around me i just sort of knuckled down and got on with my training i guess <laughs> no good stuff so now you've you've got a championship place what does the championship time mean to you and how did you sort of process it afterwards to me it was something I always thought it was unattainable because people would ask me when you're sitting down in the pub, the rare moment where your mates would take an interest in your running when they would sort of, you'd explain sort of the different brackets, which you didn't really fully understand yourself at that time, but you just sort of put the sort of the sub elites and then the championship behind that. And I just did never thought at the time with me, sort of my PB at the time was I think 3.11 from Bournemouth a few years ago. And 
I just couldn't see how that could be possible to go that far. And then when I finally achieved it, it was something you just couldn't imagine. It wasn't even an A goal. It was like the A star goal at, at one point. And moving forward, I don't necessarily want to put a goal on it because I never, I never sought out, set out to achieve a championship place. So I don't want to move forward with the idea of I want to hit 220. Yes, I would say to myself to make sure I'm accountable for the next marathon, I will aim to go under whatever pace or whatever time. But I don't want to put a limit on that, I think. No one necessarily has a ceiling. There'll be limitations in place, but I just want to see how far I can actually go. Mate, that's something I can completely relate to in terms of just you want to see what your best looks like, what your potential is. So when you eventually do stop running marathons, you can at least look back and be like, I gave it my best shot for what I have. Mm, especially the memories as well, because a lot of people might fixate on the times, which, again, like I said earlier, the times are brilliant, but it's not necessarily what's most important. The experiences and the memories you'll get from these events, whether it be a marathon, 5K, or something completely different, they're the ones that you'll probably really remember, not a few numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah, totally agree, mate. And, you know, like you said, experiences are key. And I think with the times as well, they can be a limiter as well if you just focus on, I've got to break this time every run. Not saying that most people do that, but it, it, it can help you, but it can also be a handbrake if that's all you're thinking about. Mm, and all of a sudden you become your worst enemy. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, there's so many other things that, like, that sort of hold us back in the world. It's like, you don't want to be adding to that pot, you know, you know, it starts on our head as well. So, if, if you know, you just got to make sure and then be on top of that, like you say. Yeah, keep it as something you will just enjoy rather than something you learn to hate. And even the bad experience, because I know you've had bad experiences with certain races, but I wouldn't want to change the ones I've had. For example, um, the marathon I did in Florence, I had real issue with my stomach and I had to take a very, very, very quick pit stop at the halfway point. But then after that, I found a new lease of life and I was able to push on and I achieved the time that I didn't, I thought had gone away from me because of that pit stop. But then the bad experiences, when you reflect on them, you can see the good in them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, those difficult moments at the time, <laughs> they do suck. And you're just like, why? But it's not until you go into the next race or whatever next training block that you actually learn the lessons. And I know we spoke about what happened with me in Manchester and being sick at the finishing line. But yeah, that experience actually did help when I you know, had a similar experience in, in Dorney. The only difference was I didn't throw up in Dorney, but I felt like I, I would do. Hmm. It's learning how to move on from that and how you can just take it in your stride and predict that it's going to come and then go, I've dealt with this before. I can deal with it again. And you were able to on that day. As, as were you, mate. So it's just like all these little things that, you know, help us and it's and I look back at races and sometimes people have asked me like what's your favorite race and it's hard to pick even the recent one because you're just like well all the races before helped make that race possible if you were to have to pick one though do you think you have one not because of time but maybe or experience but just one that you hold dear to you do you think you'd be able to pick one yeah I'd say Boston 2018 just because it was the final of the, the majors and just the weather was just epically bad and I had a knee injury halfway through and I got a then PR at the time I don't know how I did it but it was just one of those things that you 
enter something you think oh my gosh this is like really terrible i don't know I'm not sure how i'm going to get through this and then you get through it and you're just like man there's so much more in the tank and it gives you the, that sort of confidence to know actually even though you're in a bad situation like it will pass like we talked about before about spoke about anxiety like this thing about running it's the good thing is like even though you go through these tough moments that like you know that they, they they're not permanent and it will pass and that transfers into life as well mm, and learning that your handbrake can be taken off and you do have more to you than what you actually believe and that's exactly it. i mean you spend so much time not you personally but people could spend so much time looking outwards other at other people oh they've got something that i have not got or if i get this and i'll be this it's like well no you just need to look at what you've got and appreciate your gifts before you can go further mm, and there's a whole 40 percent rule there's always more to you yeah exactly and but it involves a lot of pain though not all oh it does and it never gets easier you might think it does but you just learn to manage it better (laughs) it's true Uh, you know but i I think that's the part of the process like i begin i guess i don't know it's same for you but i I guess because you've got different spins with the swimming as well but like you say like you get to manage it's not that you don't feel pain you feel the pain is equal as everyone else and I, you know, it's just about managing it better. And even the people better than me, you know, at higher levels, they can manage it better than I can. But it's just about man- learning to manage it and be in that moment. I would always say though, when you look at the people who are better than you or faster or more experienced, however you want to view it, they're able to manage it better because they've got that behind them. Yeah. I'm equally inspired by them as I am the people at the back of the pack, the people that might take five or six hours to complete the marathon, because they will have the same amount of pain as the people at the front. But there's a big difference. They're going to feel it for a lot longer. So they they may not have actually ever done a marathon before, and they're now having to learn the hard way that it can be very painful and then push through that pain. So I have a, a massive amount of respect for people that do that. Yeah, great point. And it's something I think about as well when you think about like the New York City Marathon you know, obviously pre-COVID, I love the way that they kept it open for the final finishers. And like you said, everyone covers that that distance. But when you're running that distance for, you know, a certain period of time, you know what it's like. It's it's just painful. So you've got so much respect for those people that finish it at whatever time and, you know, coming in towards the end. Because you're thinking, that's a lot of time on the feet and the mental strength as well to get through it. Yeah, and everyone's got that point where they'll look at it and go, I've got two miles to go. I know how long that's going to take. It's not that bad. It won't be that bad. Yeah. But then when that two miles comes after three, four hours of running, that two miles might feel a lot harder to them than it might do to someone else. Yeah, I totally agree. And can you sort of tell us about the mental jump and how you made that to believing that, you know, sub three and then going further was possible? My first one was 3.43 um, back in 2017 at Milton Keynes. And, um, well, that one really taught me to respect the distance because I hadn't trained properly for it. It was my first one and I blew up. I think it, I didn't even blow up at 20 miles. I blew up at like 14, 16 miles and then walked around to the finish. So that wasn't too fun. But then moving down, I then got 3.11 and then my third marathon Manchester was 259 which is a really good flat course and if anyone doesn't get to London I would highly recommend Manchester it's a brilliant course great support you do get that horrible empty moment when you're in the, the middle of nowhere but because it's it doesn't last very long it's quite fun at the end you just know finish line's around the corner 
but 259 was my big one. But then after that, I had quite difficult experiences. with. Um, I entered Bournemouth again, but I had a DNF because I picked up a calf issue in the build-up. Didn't respect my body enough, and it paid the price on the day, so I had to pull out of the race. And then, again, moving forward into my next one, London, um, when I finally did get into London, I wanted to try and go up, not under three hours, but quite a lot under three hours. Like, I didn't pay attention to my nutrition at the time, which is ironic because I'd started a nutrition degree at that point. But then maybe it was that and the pressure of life got to me and I just wasn't able to perform on the day. So mentally, I think you've always got to balance everything out, but then make sure life comes first. Running is really good, really useful. It's really beneficial to everyone. And it's great if you can go out and achieve a relatively fast time for you. But life has always got to come first. And then moving on from that, I had two really good races. I had the Florence where I got 250 and Dorney where I managed to get 239. So hopefully I can continue um, that line and drop the time even further. But it's just each marathon you learn something new and mentally it makes you stronger each time. I think what you you know you've shown it and I probably didn't really appreciate from the start until hearing it is you know it's not just been a linear path there were you know setbacks and lessons learned and then setbacks and lessons learned it wasn't just like one clear jump I think that's the problem with things like Instagram everyone sees it like the iceberg they see the pretty thing at the top but don't realize all the work that goes underneath and all the issues that you have to deal with for example I'm not sure if you're happy for me to say at the moment, but I'm injured, you're injured. These times happen like during your training periods and you just have to deal with it. But then say in three months time, when you get a PR at a race, you might not remember the injury as much. But then if you had a DNF like I did at Bournemouth, it really did fixate in my mind and it took me a long time to break down that mental barrier. Yeah, I think that's the thing about running, and even the time when you're not running it gives you a lot of time to think. <laughs> so, yeah, when you're alone with your thoughts. Yeah, and I mean that's a challenging part as well for you know when people aren't running and, and you know can't get out and do things. I mean, how do you kind of how do you manage that? I'm probably the worst person to ask because when the lockdown was first proposed back in March 2020, I was one of those people frantically searching for a treadmill. <laughs> to try and get one then looking around the house and where can I put it but then when you get past that temporary moment you realize it won't last forever and if you are stuck inside for a bit of time like I had to isolate for a bit when I came back it's just temporary it passes and then you can get straight back to what you love doing whether that be running or something else yeah I think that time between is so challenging as well and I think sometimes I think you mentioned earlier that it's important not to always like wrap your identity in being a runner and running fast times or whatever, because, you know, if that's taken away from you for a moment for injury or whatnot, then you've kind of, you've got nothing else to give, if that makes sense. I agree. Yeah. You've got to appreciate that side of yourself, but then you've also got to make sure you're not putting all your eggs in that one basket and not identified by that basket. Yeah. I think that's something I'm actually moving more towards now. It's like, not just being solely a runner so like for example i think it's, it's good to have like those different parts of who you are because i think as a, as a person i think that makes you more rounded 
Mm. And those parts of you will change over years as well. But for me, having been a swimmer, I don't think I'll ever get back to the standard I was, but I have the memory of doing that. And at that time, it was part of my identity, but it's not anymore. But then it still helps to mould who you are now. Everything leading up to this point helps you to be you. Yeah, absolutely. And what are you excited about now in your running and in life generally? In life generally, I would say just moving forward in terms of getting my degree because that's it's such a huge part of my life. It's the most important factor of my life, just not for now, but for my future prospects as well. But in terms of the running side of it, it never really changes my love for it or my drive to go forward because I haven't luckily lost that passion for it. So whether it be an easy day or a really tough session or a marathon training block, I will always enjoy the running just for what it is going out and enjoying the run regardless of the weather so yes I'm looking forward to hopefully London touch wood it goes ahead and maybe other races in the build-up to that if they're possible but I think people need to separate loving running for the races and just loving it for what it is yeah yeah I think yeah this has given us such a it's been a tough time but like you said it's, it's given us an opportunity to really look at the reasons why we run and what it, it gives us because if, if you're you know there's no races there's no medals so it's like what are you running for hmm. and when you're going out and about because there's at this time a lot of people have started running cycling which they haven't done before just because they've got the time in their hands now so even before this period if i ran past a runner i would always try and say smile at them and say hi they don't have to smile back if they don't feel up to it. Some people might feel a bit intimidated by another runner saying hi to them. But just for me, knowing, because sometimes if you go past someone who smiles at you, you could be feeling terrible at that moment. Just that little smile goes a long way. So I love the fact that the running community as a whole is always supportive of each other. Yeah. And I think community is such an important thing. And just moving to... A different side you know running we've spoken about while we run getting the enjoyment from it what it gives to us and in different aspects whether you know it helps you be your best self in terms of in terms of running or whatnot but do you ever take time to stop pause and reflect and enjoy the moments of like where you are and what you've done to this point I didn't used to, and I think I fell into that trap of just, you've got to just keep moving, doesn't that focus on here and now, as in my form, my running, whatever, but then now I I do really like just stopping and thinking, at this point a year ago, this I was lucky to do this in a race, now I can do this on just a normal um, session, so I love how you can change if you put the work in. But then just things around you, like we're quite lucky because we live in a similar area where you've got a lot of green land not too far away, which can be very beautiful. And if you're out running in those areas and then, for example, if you're out at sunrise or sunset and it catches the landscape, there's nothing wrong with stopping. I mean, yes, the Strava warriors might go, oh, oh, it's elapsed time. But it's like, yeah, but this was more important. <laughs> yeah, you can't help the Strava police, to be honest. Mm. I mean, unless you get like 
two or three different watches as well. I mean, it's like how far do you want to go into it as well? Because even GPS as well is not 100% accurate. You had the thing recently of um, the UK British cyclist, I think it's under 21 cyclist, who went out and he ran a 5K. Just He's going to be obscenely fit. He's an elite cyclist. And he ran, I think it was something like a 14-minute um, 5K. And then all these people started hurling abuse at him, saying, oh, this isn't possible, you're a cyclist. Not realising the fitness can be transferable. And I'm pretty sure he. this isn't the first time he's done. he's gone running. Yeah. So they, they weren't able to appreciate that. And he's just put it up on his Instagram to, because he's like, oh, I'm really proud of this. And next thing you know, the Strava police have come along and started waving their fingers at him. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, on the whole, I mean, there's a lot of supportive people on Strava in, in the community. But like you said, like it's a shame when you get a couple of bad eggs like that and just kind of, you know, it's more a reflection of, of where they are themselves. Because the way I look at it is like, I don't look at like what you've done as an impact on me I'm like well done you've done an amazing thing I'm inspired by what you're doing and you know I shouldn't look at what someone else is doing and be like oh you know bringing it down because it's like well that says more about you than that person I completely agree it's, it's always relative you can look at someone and say if, they, if they're happy with the performance they've just done and they're proud of it because it's a big jump for them just praise them and be like, that's amazing well done it might not be in line with what you're doing but you should always just watch your own grass. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've spoken a little bit about, you know, Dorney and some of your training stuff as well. I'm always a bit mindful as well. Like when I come to these conversations, I've got an idea of what I want to speak about. But is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I've not mentioned or something that you think that you know, you would have liked to cover that sometimes maybe not, you know, gets misread in, you know, look at your Strava or your Instagram profiles? Well, for me personally, if someone's looking at my Strava or Instagram, they're entitled to think whatever they want to think. I don't think there's anything there that someone could poke at personally, but if they want to, they can. But something I would want to highlight is, like we've mentioned and touched on a few times, I do have sort of a history of, I wouldn't say big, but say minor depression behind me and anxiety towards different things. And Something like running where it is very, well, it's a solo sport. At the end of the day, you're the one that puts in the work to achieve the time. But for me, when I went to um, look and join Florence Marathon, because of the Italian regulations, I had to get a medical certificate, which cost an obscene amount of money, more than my flight, entry fee and accommodation combined. Or I could join a running club. And that was something I'd thought about anyway. So I thought, okay, join a running club, you two birds, one stone. But then since then, I do really struggle to push myself to join in with the activities they do or even help out with the races because it's something I just get caught up in my head. And I just want some people to realise that it's okay to have these thoughts of anxiety towards them. A lot of people do. And I'm trying to push myself to join in more with the club, to socialise more and to just be able to represent them. It's something which does take a lot of work for my part, but it is okay to not want to do it. I think that's such an important thing to raise because sometimes as runners and, you know, people can look at one side and be like, wow, you've got such great mental strength to do X, Y, Z. And yeah, there are areas in our lives where we can be confident and we can do what we need to do. But then there are other areas where you might be a bit more reserved or a bit more introverted. And it's good to sort of show that, 
there are all these sides of us and that's okay mm. it's like clothes clothes can be deceiving you might look great from the outside but you don't know what's going on underneath yeah that's pre-lockdown mate to be honest no one no one knows that <laughs> yeah. and zoom like you could be wearing people wearing shirts and ties but wearing like shorts underneath well, not even shorts boxes <laughs> yeah i think so yeah so uh <laughs> it's definitely getting interesting or even like the zoom you know backgrounds as well i'm just like I, i'm just I, I don't know just just blur it out <laughs> oh they're brilliant when you're doing it and having a little chat with your mates and someone wants to be funny and do something they put their arms up and all of a sudden their arms disappear and you're like yeah. um what's going on <laughs> That has literally become like one of the, the, the big things of 2020, 2021. It's like, oh, what's up with your background? <laughs> so, oh, I'm a plain Jane. I'll just stick to whatever's there. No, it's interesting to sort of hear that. So uh, no, thank you for sharing that because it's something as well that I, I, I can relate to as well. That even though I'm on social and I've got a podcast and whatnot, uh, you know, I can hold my own if I'm chatting to people one-on-one or in a group or whatnot. But like, I just prefer to do my own thing when I get similar type things running with other people over this, you know, extended period of time. So, you know, I can relate to that as well. Mm. And especially for you, because you seem very outgoing. So to hear that you have times where you struggle to push yourself to do it and you do actually have to push yourself to do it. I think that's quite reassuring, not just for me, but probably a lot of people that would listen to it as well. Yeah. And I think it's cool as well that you're doing that and getting to the club as well and just facing something and doing something that's uncomfortable like same for me doing the podcast as well it's like I do it not for some sort of ego trip but one of the reasons I did the start was because it's getting used to speaking to different people and putting yourself mm. out there and, and obviously learning from other people as well in, in a space that I, I really care about running and you know but when you look at running I mean there's so much so much sort of crossover between life and other topics so you know we, we're generally having a chat about life and the lessons that we're learning and I think running is just one of those sort of vehicles really for just talking about life in general hmm. to note for anyone who's from Trent Park who may be listening I'm by no means the fastest one there but I really do want to help out just to reassure them <laughs> no I think they understand it's for this I mean like you know they're a good club so we moving towards the, the finish line what guests would you like to hear on the show I'm a big advocate of the old school people, and I know it's a you get big names like Seb Coe or um, Paula Radcliffe, or, so, or he's not really old school, but he is someone who's achieved a lot before in the past ten years. Someone like Mo Farah, but for me, it's anyone who's able to bring something to the table because everyone's a master at something. You can learn someone something from anyone. No one should ever be belittled in their knowledge or what they can give to you. So honestly, whoever is able to come on, I'm sure there will always be lessons there to be learned. Yeah, mate, that's the same way I think about this as well. I mean, like you say, you just never know what lessons you'll learn from someone. I always feel like every guest I have teaches me something different, regardless of speed or whatever. It's just there's always a different way a different angle to look at the same thing that you've not considered before you can like oh okay cool now i know that i can now take that on board and move forward mm, and for some things you can learn instead of learning the hard way you can learn from someone else's mistakes which can save a lot of time and injury <laughs> exactly if you can learn from other people's mistakes and not make them in your own life then you know that's you know that's a great thing to, to do for sure so we've spoken a little bit about running and 
in that aspect of like wanting to be your best self and just the, the lessons it gives you. But I'm not quite sure if we've really covered this, but I want to ask anyways. Can you sort of tell me how running makes you feel empowered? You like the difficult questions, don't you, Marcus? I, I want to ask you questions that aren't yes or no. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? I'm John. The end. <laughs> oh, that'd be a short one. Would be. Um, it depends on the day, and it depends on what feelings coming into it. Normally, you get the polar opposite feeling, so it's never going to be. I found that even if you get a bad run, you're not going to feel worse than when you started. But if you come into it with anger, that anger will leave. But for me, it comes back to the grounding thing. If anything's come up in my life that's a bit tumultuous or difficult or I might find that I can't actually approach it or even complete it, just going out, getting out of your own head, losing yourself, whether you listen to music, podcasts, whatever, for me, just it's kind of like being free for a bit. That really helps. and It's not going to be the same for everyone, but... That's what I get from it. Sense of freedom, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I th- yeah, I can totally relate to that because you're doing something off your own steam in that own, that little moment where it's just you and the roads or the trails or whatever. And it's like how you said, going back to reflecting on where you were before because you will always, no matter how far you've come or maybe if you've gone back because of injury, um, it will always be able to be something you can go out and just release regardless of how fast you are. Yeah, I agree, mate. What is one non-negotiable behaviour, habit or even superstition that you do daily? I would love to say stretching, but I think a lot of people know that's not going to be true. For me, it would be specific songs that I'll have to listen to or a specific race, the great um, showdown between Bacali and Mo Farah at the Great North Run. If there's a run where I'm not feeling fully motivated for it, I can just watch that and it will get me in the mood or particular songs that will just, I know will always set me up to go. So for example, ACDC is my favourite band. Any of their songs, if they come off my playlist, stick that on and I know I'll be able to go. So they'll be the two constants that I'll always do back to back is such a such a classic song that's that's in my playlist as well oh it's just iconic it is I mean yeah you, you can't if you're not feeling a certain type of way afterwards I mean you, you're just not listening to the the, the song <laughs> yeah it's like running it elicits a certain emotion so if you don't get that emotion get rid of the song yeah absolutely and in running you know it's always been the unexpected lessons that taught me the most not the highlights, the PRs, all that kind of stuff. What's the best unexpected lesson that running's taught you? Um, do you mean in terms of how it can be applied to life or just to running in general? I'll let you decide. I would say never give up. Yeah. would be the biggest sort of takeaway I've had from it no matter how difficult it seems, if you can continue without harming yourself, you'll reach the finish line and it will feel that much sweeter. Even if you're feeling a lot of pain at that moment, again, it's temporary, it'll pass. Just keep pushing on, whether you have to run, walk, crawl, 
if you can get there, you'll be happier for it. And that will be the same for running and it will be in life. Mate, what a great way to wrap up this conversation. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Where can people follow your journey online? Um, they're welcome to follow my Strava if they want to. It's John, John Hilling or my Instagram, JJ underscore Hilling. Mate, it's been great, you know, chatting to you. And, you know, we've had a our first proper chat following Dawny as well. And it's just great to hear your experiences and see your journey and and to see where you're going to go in the future. So, yeah, thank you for becoming a podcast inspired by what you're doing. And then I'm really excited to see how far you're going to go in the future. Thank you, you too. And hopefully we can catch a run at some point soon. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. If you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon markers your time is valuable so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast <laughs>